0: Hello and welcome to the Ghibli Rewatch series of the Overly Animated Podcast, where we'll be going through every Studio Ghibli movie chronologically from the beginning. I'm Dylan Eisen, and today I'm joined by Delaney Stovall. Hey, y'all. And Alex Bonilla. Hello, join us in rewatching or watching for the first time all the Studio Ghibli movies now that they're available for streaming for the first time ever on HBO Max in the United States and Netflix in most of the rest of the world. We'll have new podcasts every Wednesday as we go through the whole Ghibli Ghibli catalog chronologically. Find uh, everything about us and our contact information at overlyanimated.com. I'm a Ghibli expert joined by co-hosts with a variety of Ghibli experience. Today is Ponyo. I'm excited to talk about everything about Ponyo. There will be full spoilers for Ponyo in this podcast, and only minor spoilers for the rest of the Ghibli catalog. We'll be discussing both the subs and the dubs, um, maybe primarily the subs, but watch whatever you prefer. That is fine for listening to this discussion. So it's time for Ponyo, also known as Ponyo on the Cliff by the Sea. Um, I guess I thought that was the official title But I don't really know what what really counts We'll we'll go with Ponyo Uh, We're in 2008 now For our next Hayao Miyazaki film His um, follow-up to Howl's Moving Castle Um, This is uh, more of a Maybe younger children Aimed film for him Although we'll discuss that Uh, It's partly inspired by Han Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid Among a few other things from Japanese culture And elsewhere we'll talk about some of them um, this film was fairly well received uh, and a success worldwide now that Miyazaki movies are being shown largely across the world at this point. Um, and uh, definitely was a success in Japan, as with all of his films uh, at this point. And Ponyo remains the 11th highest grossing movie ever in Japan. A um, lot of, uh, I think, interesting things we can talk about with Ponyo, including its an- incredible animation. Um, the fantasy elements in it, but let's hear what each of our histories are with Ponyo and what we think of the film. Um, Delaney is new to uh, newer to some of these Ghibli movies, but not to Ponyo. I know she's been very excited to talk about Ponyo for a while. So tell us about Ponyo, Delaney.
1: So Ponyo, I was part of like some of my first few like a first my honestly the only selection I had watched before we started this series and Ponyo was definitely hands down my favorite I watched Ponyo several years ago and I thoroughly enjoyed it I didn't really understand what was going on which I didn't really understand that I didn't understand what was going on until I watched it this time (laughs) and I was like oh like I got a lot more out of it this, this this time granted I was also in high school when I watched it the first time so you know it's it's been a while. Um, I love Ponyo. It's movie's adorable. I was really excited. I know it's not everybody's favorite. And I was like, I am so ready to talk about Ponyo. This movie's adorable. And it's really funny because I don't really like... I mean, the only other movie really you can compare this to would... Other than, obviously, the rest of the Ghibli catalog would be... Disney's The Little Mermaid. And I hate that movie. (laughs) I I don't like it at all. (laughs) So, I love this movie. And... I think it's a great, um, like, re- uh, well, not, I can't even say retelling. It's a different telling of The Little Mermaid, and I just really enjoy it. Like, this movie's, like, it's so cute, and I think it's one of the, it is one of the, I think, better examples of, like, Ghibli art. Mm. It's just so bright, and then it's also, this movie has is very interesting thematically. Like, it's, for such a cute and, like, uplifting film, it's also very dark and scary at times. But I, I really really enjoyed this movie a lot and i was really excited to watch it the second time and i definitely think you have to watch this movie twice because at first you're like i have no idea what's going on
0: okay yeah interesting yeah i think you, you summarize some of uh definitely some points we're gonna hit on and interesting ponyo a, a movie with its complexities that needs to be rewatched you may not think of that immediately but i think yeah that's that's definitely true in some ways um i feel like alex has also been very excited to talk about ponyo so i would uh, be interested in hearing his history with this movie
2: and why that is well, the thing is, I didn't really have a history of this movie. I just know it because of the memes. Like, I, I love ham, you know, and like the, those four panel comics with Pliny Loves Revolution and stuff. So, like, I just knew that there was like a cute fish person. And that's kind of it. I didn't really know. I, I didn't know it was going to be based on The Little Mermaid. I didn't know that it was like going to be like totally hand drawn despite CGI in previous movies. <laughs> like, I didn't know any of that. So, coming in, I, I did know that it was supposed to be like a more kid-oriented movie so i did come in with that with that expectation at least and uh, while watching it for the first time uh, this week i will say that it was a very relaxing movie to watch which i really enjoyed it was very comforting in a weird way uh just like the 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 absolute wholesomeness uh, of of uh, 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 of Ponyo and and Sosuke. um Like seeing them, like, you know, just hang out together, being kids. Like, it hits it at least to me, a lot more effectively than Totoro does. I, I feel like Totoro is one that gets compared with this as well, since it's like the other movie with focused on two very small kids. Um, and for whatever reason, I, I mean, we'll talk about it and maybe we can work through it, but like I, I, this this relationship uh, of between two two young children worked a lot better on me. Um, I love the, the imagery. I love the, the, you know, the ocean stuff. I mean, from the very beginning, like you take like the five minutes to just like show off, like I can do jelly fish and fit and like this kind of fish these big fish and like introduction to Ponya and her little little sister fishies so like and the design of the of the wizard dad is really good uh, gi- giant woman in the middle of the movie kind of took me for a surprise uh, and my mom is great so like there's like a lot of different things that i can praise about each of the characters and i think that's like a really important thing that like even though like there's, I guess there's like an antagonist or like there's a thing propelling the plot, it never feels like a, a villain is around, and I appreciate that, especially for something that is as fairy tale inspired as this. Like it, it always it always feels you know kind of kind of calm and like everybody has their reasons for doing things. The dad's the villain not, what are you talking about? We'll, well we'll get to that but like I never really got that that vibe out of it and I appreciated that that fact that it always felt very low stakes. I can imagine that annoys certain, some people who are like yeah like I know nothing bad's gonna happen but I find a comfort in that kind of movie so like uh, I I really I really like this movie a lot. I thought it was really fun. I think that if you begin picking at the why of certain things happening it'll probably fall apart but I think that the it, it's more about the atmosphere of this movie and in that sense uh, the, the this movie itself it so like that, that that's what I want to highlight out of the, this experience. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, summary of of that last part there
0: with um, Ponyo's appeals. The dad, I think, probably presented as the villain for like two thirds of the movie, but then there's like a pretty big shift. And uh, yeah, as as I think is typical, we've seen with some Miyazaki, uh, quote unquote, villains, they are pulled uh, into the sympathetic light pretty quickly, um, which I think Mm -hmm. is an appealing aspect of uh, these films for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, so for me with Ponyo, I think I referenced this on one of the previous podcasts. So I, it's like when I'm getting into all the Ghibli films. I, you know, I'd seen a few before, but I'm, when I'm around like 13 or 14, I get really into them. I watch all of them. Um, I'm really excited because Ponyo is going to be the first Miyazaki movie that comes out that I can see like in real time uh, at this point. Um, so I go to see Ponyo in theaters. Uh, very excited. Um, you know, probably not like right as a, you know, it's going to be later coming out in the U.S. versus Japan, but hadn't seen it. And, uh, I was definitely disappointed, I think, compared to, um, like Uh. previous Miyazaki movies. So that was like my reaction as a kid. And that's, I think, indicative of some people's reactions to Ponyo. If you're expecting Spirited Away or something, it's not this. Uh, watching it now, revisiting Ponyo, I definitely have a far greater appreciation for this movie. Um, I think that this is, uh, one of the most... Gorgeous, beautiful movies ever made, uh, like animation-wise. I was floored by the animation, as I have, as as has been the case with several of these Ghibli movies that I think are underappreciated, but um just cannot believe what Ponyo accomplishes animation wise. Uh I also do think this movie is fairly magical. If you're like uh how much of uh, these later Miyazaki movies do they retain his 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 uh climactic magic or some of these movies? I think Ponyo is fairly magical, not like quite as much as so as some of his best ones. Um I do think uh I guess I want to I want to compare a lot to Howl's Moving Castle. I feel like I feel pretty similarly to Howl's Moving Castle. That I do to Ponyo as I do to Howls. Um, in that you know gorgeous movie, I think Ponyo is even more gorgeous. Um, you know, I think I'm pretty into the movie for kind of two thirds of it, and I think like there's a core some core character moments at the that I think are, are really successful for me. I agree. Ponyo and, Sos- and Sosuke's relationship I think is incredible. I love their interactions. I love both of those characters. I love their interactions. I think the third act um, as, as as previously been discussed you know, Mizaki's Some Miyazaki movies have maybe a weakness in the third act. I feel this way about Kiki's. I feel this way definitely about Howl's. And I think I feel this way about Ponyo. I think its third act is a little bit hard to understand what's happening. Um, and as as is the whole movie, the mythology is very thin, but Um, As Alex kind of talked about, it's not really about that. Um, It's uh, kind of about this core relationship with Ponyo and Sosuke and these characters and Ponyo becoming human and just like the general incredible animation and atmosphere that's going on. So I don't think the... um, you know, the story, the story of the third act attracts so much. And I think there's a lot really to like about the ending, too, in terms of um, the the strong aspects of the movie. So um, I was surprised uh, that uh, I not, you know, if you've listened to a lot of these podcasts, I like all these movies that more than I previously did. So I shouldn't be surprised about that. But I, Ponyo, you know, the Mizaki ones, I've I've examined more closely. And I did really like Ponyo a lot more. I don't think it is lesser than all the rest of the Miyazaki movies anymore. I think it is right there with Howl's Moving Castle. It's maybe a step below all of his previous ones, but you could certainly argue it's right there with any of them. Um, I'm excited to talk about the animation, honestly. I think that's one of my, the, my biggest topic for this one. But uh, also, I think there's a lot of interesting aspects of Ponyo that uh, will be uh, interesting to dive into to whatever extent we are able to. Um, because I don't know that you think talking, uh, thinking about talking about Ponyo, it's like where's the the depth? What what aspects of Ponyo are gonna have the depth that we're gonna really dive into in a discussion? So I think it's gonna be. I'm interested to see what we kind of focus on here um, with with the movie. Uh, Del- Delaney, out of out of kind of these topics that have been raised, I guess mm-hmm. like what what's uh, for you is is what's jumping out at you is the you're something you're most eager to talk about well, just, I, as I'm- a Ponyo mm-hmm. lover.
1: Yes, yeah, as like I, I kind of want to be like you know in the defense of Ponyo because there's a lot you know I've you know it's you get that a lot from people like even me when you know I'm not as familiar with Ghibli and you know I'm not I'm not I I think the, the I think the reason people don't like Ponyo is also like not it isn't just a Miyazaki thing like I think this is a general issue with um, some kinds of stories in animation and. Kind of relating to some of our coverage of the rebooted powerpuff girls. there's this, <laughs> there's this I didn't like, that comparison there's this idea that just because something bad doesn't happen, it's like it's not a story worth telling. And that's not strictly true. And it is funny though, on my first watch, upon you i was just so stressed out that lisa was dead like the whole movie (laughs) also she can't drive it's terrifying like you i fear for lisa the whole movie granted now when i watched the second time i was like i like i know how it ends so i was just i was just grinning the whole movie because it's so sweet and adorable and it's just a fun uplifting film i don't know why we all have to be sad all the time, like. By the way, for more context, the group of films I watched when I was in high school was *Grave of the Fireflies*, yes. *Ponyo*, *Spirited Away*, and like one other one. And I was like, "Okay, so like this is this is where we're at." It's a so rep- like
0: representative group of movies, I guess. So.
1: Yeah, I mean it's fine. So this is like *Ponyo*. Was, like, there's not to me. It's why would you say that *Ponyo* is any lesser than the other Miyazaki films? Like, is Nausicaä my favorite? Yes. Is Ponyo up there? Yes. They tell very different stories, but again, you can't argue with, like, the sheer beauty of Ponyo. And and also, again, there is no CGI in this film. That's insane. This, what they do with the fish... I mean, early on... I mean, when you start, you are you have no... Like, it's insane what's going on with all the fish. And, the like, the jellyfish, and, like Alex was saying, the sisters. And then... I mean, one of the most iconic scenes in the film and arguably one of the greatest scenes I think in any of the Miyazaki films is when Honyo is chasing after Sasuke on the waves. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, that entire sequence of her running on the fish is just... That's yeah. all hand-drawn. That's ridiculous. And, I mean, arguably it's hard... It, I mean, it's hard to find current... You know, cool, I mean, this movie came out in 2008, but like like current animation that, I mean, these films hold up and Ponyo continues to hold up. And when you talk about the plot, I mean, the mythology is bonkers. But, like, I don't, it is, it's definitely hard to follow the first time because you have no idea what's going on. But I would definitely say, like, once you have a handle on the film, the mythology isn't, it doesn't fall apart. Like, they hold, like, it's very thin, but, I mean, they don't dip any farther than they need to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh it's certainly not, like, in- incomprehensible in any way um i think people wouldn't say the the movie everyone talks about i think to a certain extent that doesn't make too much sense would be howl's moving castle which is a right. big reason i compare i don't think this movie is kind of gets into that uh realm of in- incomprehensibility although i think both movies have a very solid logic to them i think ponium more so um yeah i mean there's a lot going on in that third act of mythology wise which i do think is is like there uh, like i I, like I kind of i kind of understand i guess what's going on but it's also pretty out there i mean you are bringing up a lot of uh points about the animation that i really agree with Delaney, and i'm eager to get to that but i think you were talking about um the uh the out thereness i think of, of some of this this stuff we're talking about the lack of uh, a villainous presence um but i but in some ways there's this movie's more has is darker and uh than maybe any of miyazaki's previous movies and also the other thing i wanted to say was we're referencing criticism upon you a lot this
2: was a very well received movie so well people yeah Well, well one thing i want to point to that is that like yes you could say that this is maybe the 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 like if you were ranking the miyazaki movies Ponyo being at the bottom is a case that you could make. But at the same time, the quality of every single movie on that list is such that the worst Miyazaki movie can still be better than a lot of animated movies from it. other places. So like, I think it's important to know that like we're, we're, there's a difference between comparing Ponyo to other Miyazaki movies and just saying Ponyo is a bad movie and at at least the way that I get the sensation is that Ponyo is talked about as like kind of a tossed aside when discussing it it in the Miyazaki canon but I I do think it's important to say as well like Ponyo on its own is still like a really fun movie that can stand up with a lot of other movies out there so I, I just think that there is like a bit of a distinction like saying it's the worst Miyazaki movie is not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it, it's a good point. Um And uh, I think that this is, in some ways, if you've heard us talk about the rest of these Miyazaki movies, this is a very apparent thing that, you know, I think these are some of the greatest movies of all time. So saying Ponyo is a uh, Ponyo and Howl, so I, like, I think of them together currently in my mind. Saying it's like a slight step, step down from the greatest movies of all time is really not much of a criticism. Like, I loved Ponyo watching it this time. Um, I do think some people think of it as uh, much lesser than some of these movies. And uh, revisiting it now, I would say that that. I don't agree with that like I think there's a, re- a lot to uh really uh like here um so uh, we can get into some of those things but yeah the the I, I want to bring and start to bring in quotes from as always Susan Napier's Miyazaki world book um She's a lot about the interesting extreme elements in Ponyo, which I was wondering how we're going to work it in. But I think it's very related to what Delaney was talking about. Um, So she says apocalyptic imagery has invaded Miyazaki world from as early as future boy Conan. Yet the catastrophic events in Ponyo are perhaps the most distinctive and memorable in all of Miyazaki's oeuvre a working through of trauma on a level that is both profound and expansive. The volatile narrative suggests an artist liberated from conventional narrative constraints and opening himself up to extremes. Howell's central theme of family or pseudo family and love become more intense and exaggerated. A passionate, quote unquote, romance between two five year olds and a, quote unquote, family of hundreds of fish whose mother is a sea goddess and whose once human father is a sea magician. Thematic and visual elements are extreme as well, suggesting a world in which things are literally falling apart. Um, I didn't remember or even conceive of Ponyo as an apocalyptic movie, but it really isn't. It's the, in the ending, um, things are, things go pretty, pretty cray gray at the end of uh, well, that Ponyo. Was,
1: so I, like I told you before we started, I had read like half of the outline. Like I said, I don't like being spoiled. And I remember reading that and being like, what? And then, <laughs> and then, of course, you watch the movie and I'm like, oh, right. I forgot. They like flood the planet. Like, and then. Which I definitely something I missed out on the first time was the fact that like not all, obviously she flooded the planet, but on top of that that like Ponyo was literally ending the world. So like I didn't didn't get that the first time I watched it. Because again, the third act, you're like, What's going on?
0: Yeah, they're like the moon is too close to the the planet and to the planet. Yeah and, and then, literally that we were presented with this like gorgeous like seaside village and then it, it almost entirely is flooded um at, mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the movie.
1: And we, well and then there's I mean we have to I mean there's also some really eerie scenes in the movie like not just like one but just another thing another like really I mean also we get again, we get that environmentalism in Miyazaki's film and I think this one actually might do a better job of getting the point across than Nausicaa which is shocking. But cuz really we're seeing it in real time. So I mean, the film opens up, and you just, there's just garbage like, everywhere, and it's like very much in stark contrast to this gorgeous animation of the fish and the water. And then, like, we just keep seeing the garbage, and then the the waves turn very violent when Ponyo is on her way, and just this constant like Lisa's constantly battling the ocean, like throughout the whole time she's driving. And then there's, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, there's, like, at least 30 minutes, you're like, is Lisa dead? And then there's the extremely eerie scene of the park where all of the senior, everyone from the senior center is supposed to be, and the wheelchairs are empty, and you're like, oh my god. But then it's okay, because they're all underwater, but it's very, these very eerie, like, we only, we see, like, there's the senior, there's the park, and um, the hotel that's at the peak, and then Sosuke's house and that's it like that's all the land we get for like the last half of the movie
0: in related to this like in so when I when I was younger and I'm not as crazy about Ponyo in my head it's like oh Ponyo is this little kids movie Miyazaki decided to make a little kids right. movie, and that's that's unappealing to me but watching it this time I mean certainly I think there's elements of this and it's about younger children. You could argue, right. I think maybe this, and I think, do, I do think Totoro is a good comparison or maybe aimed at younger children at its core, but, there's definitely a lot of dark elements to this movie. Uh, we, uh, I'll read Susan Napier's quote about this as as like a more complex kids movie. She says, Ponyo's narrative is fairly simple, an archetypal romance in which a boy and a girl meet and dark complications and go on to live happily ever after. Miyazaki then introduces a number of elements and themes not usually seen in a movie explicitly marketed for young children, including not only a child's eye view of apocalypse, but visions of aging, implications of death and a world beyond death, a call to arms on the environment, and finally, an implicit call for a utopia of tolerance, love and acceptance. Um, and I think if we if you've been following along the theme, uh, the themes we've been tracking of all the Miyazaki movies in this series, all that stuff we've talked about at the end is uh, pretty uh, in line with what Miyazaki is going for. And I think just because this is in some ways more of a uh, movie aimed at younger children, he does we do not lose these core Miyazaki themes, I think that are hit upon in all of his movies this, um, you know, notions of, um, wanting a more interconnected, uh, empathetic society, uh, this, uh, extreme environmentalism, I do think is really present in Ponyo and a large part of the kind of apocalyptic ending. Um, and, and it, you know, you add on to that, this, um, the, the uh, themes of, uh, a- old age and aging and death. And that is, I think, striking compared to some of his earlier movies. The only one which I think feel like really hits on that, uh, this kind of extent is Howl's Moving Castle, which also deals with kind of Sophie as an old woman and um, her thriving in older age and life. And so I think there really is a lot of meat on Ponyo's uh, bones, the the ham or something of uh, the movie, right? Like, I, I think it's uh, there There really is, I think, a lot here. If you're looking for complexity, if you're looking for maturity, this is not just some uh, simple little kids moving.
1: Well, I mean, well, the maturity that Sosuke shows, like... I mean, from the opening scene in the film, like, he is so empathetic. And he's just... And and again, like, I mean, another very powerful scene in the film is when they find Lisa's car and, you know, is so calling for Lisa and he, you know, finally breaks down. Like, they've been on a boat, like, looking for his mom for hours. And that's, like, it's ridiculous. Like, there's all this magic, but he just wants his mom. And... You know and sasuke is also very much dealing with this fear that his mom's gone he's like but she can't be she promised so there's i mean even like the themes are there but i mean the characters are confronting them as well and the comments are made about you know whatever the love spell not ritual nonsense but you know comments are made like when uh, i can't say his name i don't remember his name there's too many letters um the evil sea wizard
0: (laughs) yes I don't think they necessarily say his name till the end of the movie, even. But yeah,
1: yeah. So Fujimoto, he he's talking to. Does the sea goddess have a name? I don't
0: remember. Yeah, it's a big reveal. Ma- when... Mama, Mama Mari, or something. Oh
1: yeah, she's like she's like the she's like she's like Grand. That she's like
0: Grand Mamare. Grand, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Grand, I didn't grand understand. What, it, it, it feels like a reveal, but it's like okay, what does that mean that that's her name?
1: I yeah. And well, I mean, it definitely she's like the big mother. Like that's mm-hmm. basically what that means. And she and so. When they're talking, and he's like, "Well, if he doesn't really love her, she'll turn into sea foam." And she's like, "That's where we all come from." So I mean, there's definitely these very inner like.
0: That's a good point about that line. It plays into this like acceptance of the fate and death, kind of. Like.
1: And then we, and again, and also, it's kind of a funny juxtaposition. But we have like the senior center next to the kindergarten, mm-hmm. and Sosuke spends all of his time there. And his friend, he doesn't really have friends at school. He has, he's friends with the the old ladies at the senior center who are honestly one of the best parts of the film by the way are the are yeah, the we'll talk about that. yeah and then there, i mean there's another scene in the when they're underwater in the bubble or whatever and they're and i that's when i think it's when Toki arrives or it might be right before that and they're like oh no i think it's before that and we're all they're all like wow and they're running around and they're like is this is this the afterlife and they're like i don't care <laughs> like
0: yeah 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 and then that's pretty powerful seeing them walk and uh grapple with their fate i think at that point
1: and then when they like and then when they come out and they're like "Nope, we don't need our wheelchairs we'll walk but these this like there's a lot going on like i mean and also there's also uh the big before ponyo like kind of comes back a lot of the kind of i don't want to say plot but like the there's like the central issue is that well, first Sosuke's dad's not coming home for dinner, but then it turns into is he okay? We can't talk to him, we normally are able to communicate with him and they're like mm-hmm. and even Sasuke's like, did all the ships sink?
0: Yeah, you're right about. Th- I didn't necessarily, I guess, because I remembered what happened. But the uh, you do th- you do wonder if uh, the dad is dead. You wonder if the mom is dead for parts that. Yeah, I think. Well, that, that's uh... the thing
1: because I it was really stressful for me when I, I remember watching this movie for the first. And it was also funny. My wife was watching it for the first time with me, and she was like, would look at me, and I'm like, it's okay, because <laughs> I didn't want her getting stressed because like, <laughs> um, uh, grandmother characters dying is like not okay and i was like they're fine the old ladies are fine <laughs> like, and so like as you kept getting it i was like no it's fine but like i mean you're stressed like the whole movie because yeah it's a sweet happy ending but you don't know that when you're watching it and you see like the world flood like it gets really stressful at times
2: yeah alex um yeah i want to say like I think that this is probably the biggest disservice of calling this a kids' movie, in that if you go in with that uh, with that uh, preconception, like I did, none of this really hits you in the way that I think you guys are describing it. Because, like, for, like we talk about, like, it, it is apocalyptic imagery on its face, but because we're like doing this from the perspective of the kids, who like for the most part, are, like, just like seeing everything with wonder. It's like, oh, this everything is so cool. Like, look, like the the, the flood, you can like look down and see the fishies without any concern for like everything that got flooded by like because it, it's treated in that way it feels a lot lighter and manageable than something like howls which like per- also uses apocalyptic imagery but in a much darker like like oh like people are dying like it's terrible like ponyo ponyo doesn't really treat it that way so like it definitely like softens the the impact of that kind of stuff similarly with stuff like uh, like death right like you have the the i the 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 scene of of him like finding the car but then it, like immediately cuts to us to like hey let's check on the old people's home and we see them the, the old lady trying it's like oh, okay so like the, the the dread of them being of being dead is cut very quickly and I think that's the nature of this like aiming towards kids like we we, we can do that feeling but we can't let them sit in that for too long We're Like let's cut to make sure like okay don't worry they're fine now we can come back to the main characters so like I, I, I think that, that that's like kind of the push and pull with this like I think that Miyazaki does want to like get his his themes in there, but it does feel at the same time a little bit um restrained because of the format of being focused on kids in a way that like something like Grave of the Fireflies, which like also is two like main kid characters, but it doesn't but uh, because of the vibe of that movie, like it portrays everything so much more realistically, like it that it gets across a lot easier than it does in, in Ponya, which is like trying to keep you like this is a fantasy world so don't worry too much about it you know so at at least that that's the way that 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 i was experiencing the movie and like you uh, on the one hand i like it because it makes me not be i'm not stressed out watching this movie and sometimes i need that but at the same time i think that if you're going for representing those things i'm not sure it's as effective as it is in 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 movies like uh, like grave or house and just briefly with the environmentalism thing i found that interesting as well because i was watching and like halfway through i was like hey like this is a miyazaki movie like isn't there supposed like environment stuff like this feels very and then like i got reminded oh yeah like in the first five minutes they did that thing where he, she he, she got caught in the bottle and there's garbage but like by the time you're like like 80 minutes into the movie like it's that was a while ago so like i'm not sure that that whole, uh, that holds throughout the movie just because like the the way that this story goes it's like this is more about the balance of nature similar to earth sea right like Earthsea is like so focused on like yeah we got to keep the balance and and, like that's how ponio frames it as well so like because it kind of moves to that more like abstract feeling like you kind of lose the 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 humanity the humanity um of connection to all this it's more like this is just kind of like how the folklore is going
1: it's a lot of the points you brought up are really interesting to me because I think they're also true on the flip side. Like, when you talk about Grave of the Fireflies, the, the tragedy of Grave of the Fireflies, obviously it's a tragedy unfolding on screen, but the tragedy is you know what's happening the entire time you're watching the film because you know what he's doing is wrong and you know that he is making mistake after mistake and they both die because of it. And that is, like, the real tragedy and that's why it's so heartbreaking is because you know the whole time what's going to happen. And I think... Ponyo does this also in a very similar way, because when you're like Sasuke doesn't care that his mother is a horrible driver, but when you're watching it, you're like, oh my god! Like she's like turn like taking crazy turns because it they, like they lead you into it because it opens and she can't drive, and then on the way, and then when it starts storming, you're like, oh my god! Please do not go over the bridge, and she's like, I'm going over the dry bridge, and again, it's increasingly scary and drives through all of the water and there's several scenes. And I definitely would say some of the music plays into this and also Sasuke's wonder wonder, but like, I mean, there's a part where she's getting into the house and like, they literally drive under a wave, like the wave, like literally crashes over the car. It's like a little tunnel. And then, and, and then you, I mean, they spend a long time, which I think, again, there's some, there's that magic. They're in the toy boat. And they saw people from the village. But then you're also... But this whole time, you're like, where's Lisa? And they like they, they can see the road underwater. And... I mean, there is, I mean, there's still a very large chunk of the film where you're like, I don't know what happened to Lisa. We don't know what happened to... I mean, we do cut to the dad. But, you know, there are parts where you're like, is everyone okay? Or it's like, I mean, how eerie it is when... They're like, what city is that? I don't recognize it. And like, that's not a city. It's ships. And they call it a ship graveyard.
0: Yeah, and, that's definitely a striking visual of them. Like,
1: there's... Also, that's like gorgeous. And so, it's interesting, like when you're watching Grave of the Fireflies, the tragedy is that you know what's going to happen. But then they also are toying with this in Ponyo with, um, the world's flooded. Uh, people should be dead. And... You don't really know until the end of the movie that no one died. So I think that's really, like, until you... Because obviously they don't find Lisa first, but I think that's part of it. They have to cut because you're, like, if they don't cut to them being at the senior center, you're like, oh, my God. And they play with you because when they cut, you see, like... Like, there's... Because I think they have to cut so that you don't start bawling when they get to the park. (laughs) Like, I think that's, like... I def- I do agree that they it's they they softened it, but I mean it's still
0: there. Yeah, I think you've done uh, a good I, job I, of describing the yeah kind of suspense uh, in in the movie.
2: Well, I would say another, another thing that that points to is that Ponyo is definitely a more optimistic work, yes, like definitely. compared. Like yes. a, okay, a, a, okay. so I was gonna say, Alex, after for what you said
0: initially, like is Ponyo the Miyazaki's Grave of the Fireflies? Is that what we're saying
2: here? I mean, so far I yes. haven't seen the Wind Rises, so like I don't know what that's about. I heard there's war <laughs> stuff than that, but Ponyo, uh, yeah, like it's it, it it's cert- it's doing the uh like what what delaney working off of what delaney was saying like grave the because like you know that the bad decision that happens like oh like i know it's just gonna get worse and worse because that's how humanity goes like nobody's gonna show you any uh, any, <laughs> any sympathy but then like on the flip side you have ponyo which is like no we're gonna keep pushing through keep pushing through and we'll find we'll find it right we'll fix everything and you know and it the the answer presents itself in the form of this like um like this uh, trade-off that you have you Give up your magic; everything will go back to normal. So, like, it's just like if, again, like that. That's a sense of like maybe this is more focused towards kids, and that uh, like you're allowing this this uh, to happen. But also, it like maybe points to like, hey, like if we if you work hard enough, uh, like th- things things will eventually turn up for you, and the answer will present itself, and you'll be able to you know move move forward in life. So, like, uh, th- there's something to be said for this just being like you know because part of the reason it feels so bright is that you oh, that for a lot of it you feel like okay they're going to work this out like that this is going to turn out all right like uh, so I, I think that that's that's a part of just like the the world view that uh P- panya is presenting and we we need that more in the well, world like- so i appreciate that
1: and sosuke is so determined which i think is a big part. like he is so determined and confident in everything that he's doing like and it's, and again it's also interesting so we cut to them under the waves, and we come back, and they're at the tunnel. And this is kind of where I mean things pick up really fast right here, yeah, like <laughs> starts changing back. And it is sad because Sosuke's afraid. And he and then, of course, the sea wizard Fujimoto shows up again. And you're like, "Go away. You in your scary suit. Go away. And Toki's yelling, and it's very like it's very stressful. And he has to save. Ponyo and so like there is still like like it's interesting how we like we, we play with a lot of fear in this movie like like is Pony gonna come back? Pony comes back oh no she's turning back into a fish
0: fear is an interesting theme yeah we can maybe see how that ties in I think I think um, what I wanted to tie this into which I think you guys were talking about but uh, this this notion of Ponyo being related to Grave of the Fireflies which is not something I expected but uh, thinking about it Um, I think uh, there's a good comparison here because there's traumatic circumstances surrounding children uh, at its core trying to live their normal kid life like trying to live their normal joyful life and i think that is true of grave too like some of the most striking moments of grave of the fireflies are the the two siblings just like having fun like with the, the fireflies yes. in the cave and stuff so i and i think like for me it's like oh why is ponyo you know it, it has these apocalyptic uh, circum- surroundings like to me the joyfulness of ponyo comes from ponyo and ponyo and sosuke at its core like i, I found their interactions their dynamic um, you know, it's it's interesting that Miyazaki kind of treats this like a romance, despite the fact that they're five years old. Um, which, uh, you know, to me, it's not the same uh, romantic appeal as like that I talked about with uh, with, with movies like Howl's or uh, Earthsea. Um, but it's more just the the two character dynamic of uh, the, and, and their interactions that I found so much joy from. They're two very very joyful characters. Sosuke is is so sympathetic. Um, I didn't remember that about the movie. He's, he's the just, best boy. He's really. Just <laughs> just the sweetest like character ever um and ponio is also like incredibly sympathetic and and like uh she, you know you you get uh her like learning how to be a human i think all that that's really like fun and uh just like the the, the kind of the epitome of the, their dynamic although it's throughout the, the movie is uh when Ponyo like finally just says uh like learns how to speak and like Ponyo loves Sosuke like and uh and uh Sosuke is uh, like oh you're talking and like that, that scene I love that scene and um I think that that just represents kind of the joyfulness I get from the two of them throughout the movie I think that when they have to go their journey together they get on the the boat which Ponyo like expands with magic um them interacting with all the people they meet when they're they're traveling so the
1: milk scene is such a weird but amazing scene
0: it's a very weird scene
1: but like uh, but it works. Like, the first time I watched it, I was like, what is going on? The second time, <laughs> like, I really, like, I mean, it's weird. Like, it's this very weird fixation that they're like that. Because, because again, but it's more like, I think Ponyo just like this. And like, I And talking about life and death, I think that really ties in to all the overarching themes. Like, this is Ponyo, like, she's a fish. So this is a very different thing that's going on. And she's like, give the baby the soup. And she's like, the baby can't have the soup. But once she understands, and this is a very, I mean, it's a very weird, but it's a very, this is another moment of Ponyo being extremely empathetic. And I mean, and then again, both of these characters are just so kind and sweet and innocent. And she's like, oh, well, and then she, when she pulls out the sandwiches, which is like, great. She's like more milk because she wants the baby to be happy. And she wants, you know, it's just, it's a really sweet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think another way to interpret that is that they need to show that ponyo cares uh more for humanity beyond just sosuke and lisa like and like that that's like the one example we get right like ponyo sees this tiny human in in peril crying and it's like oh like i i should help them because i like humans you know and so like she's doing her best like i i I think that that's maybe one of the reasons for the scene because otherwise like i mean i think a a a part another like um, thing that I like about Ponyo like when you compare this to like Little Mermaid right like the the Disney version uh, you got uh, uh, Ariel like being sort of manipulated into like giving up, up stuff to like go go be a human and it feels very like centered on just the prince and that's kind of it whereas this like feels like Ponyo has more agency in the decision like she like leaves and she doesn't need to give up or anything she's just like I'm breaking out and I got help from my, from well, really, my, she's my sister Meaning yeah. A lot. yeah and and like it just it doesn't feel as as um it, I mean, it, it feels a little bit more expansive. I mean, it's still like I, I just I love Sosuke, and that's like the the main Im- impulse. But I do feel that the movie at least does a little bit more to be like, yeah, but like I, I care about other people too. Like it's not not just him. So like I, I just feel like Banya P- does a lot better in like making making me feel as if like she she has more of a more of a stake in what's going on. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to reference
0: the documentary 10 Years with Hayao Miyazaki, the first two episodes of which Ponyo is here and drawing what's real uh, feature Miyazaki working on Ponyo. And there's a lot of great stuff there. And yeah, there is the scene of him to draw storyboarding the scene with the baby. And I do think he talks about it. it's the first time Ponyo like gives something to someone like that's an important moment for a kid. So he, that, that's kind of part of his logic. He, he talks about it a little bit more in there. Um, it's it's kind of interesting here because that is, is a interesting scene inserted kind of into the, the third, the third act climax part of the movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many great scenes with, uh, Pony and Sosuke and Pony, like this, this dynamic of, of her learning to be human. I think that's a, a big part of it too, especially when she's in the house with Lisa and, and Sosuke. And I do think that's, uh, maybe part of the milk stuff is like, it's her just experiencing like parts of the world. Um, and uh, I think all that's like just very joyful and and uh, really core dynamic of the movie. And then th- another part in which that relates to is Ponyo, um, her her transformation and this is another reason I'll compare it to Alice Moving Castle the the transfer the char- the visual transformation of a character of Ponyo and uh, Sophie um, Ponyo goes back and forth kind of between, fish human frog like whatever i don't know um like primordial fish like she uh sometimes is forced to regress back into like little tadpole form some goes back to being human right at the end of the movie so just the the visuals of uh her uh, the the and i talked about this with sophie too but just that the constant like uh integration of her kind of constantly changing a character design is so uh, striking and so unusual and seemingly so challenging to manage as, as you're making a movie. I, I found that to be like really incredible too. I had this is a very similar reaction to like, wow, I can't believe that she is um just constantly changing uh, in this movie. Uh, it's a similar reaction to Al's.
2: uh um, just, While we're on the topic of character design, is it a hot take that chicken foot Ponyo pony is the cutest Ponyo? <laughs> I think that, that, is that is an extremely hot hot take, take for my taste. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I like her her, th- her three little toesies like sticking oh, out and okay. I I I to be her weird. Toesies, I, <laughs> I won't
1: lie; a, like I was a little worried about watching Ponyo. I was like, I don't want to deal with this because, like, because like I love her. The in between is not great.
2: It's not. It's not great. I, I love the in between. <laughs> like, also, like, her, her her, head is, like, a little bit more, like, square. or, yeah. or Like, when, when she's, like, chicken foot versus, like, when she turns into the human, like, you know, she, like, looks like everybody else. Like, there's something, like, unique to her when she's, like, in that oh, yeah. in-between that I love. I mean, when
1: she first does it, it's amazing. I, I will say, I do, I do agree with Dylan that the transformation, and I mean, it's constant throughout the film, which is something I had forgotten, was that how often she has to do it. And every time she uses magic, her face will shift. And it's really... I mean, it's really stunning, not, like, visually. And and then also, again, it plays into that theme. And then another thing I didn't pick up on was, like, one, Sasuke's a genius. But, like, he picks up on everything Ponyo does, which is really sweet and adorable and also just amazing. And I think another, like, reason why their story is so compelling. And we get to... Because, you know, he picks up on every little thing. And he does pick up on the way her face changes when she does magic. And, And I think... Like that's, it's just I just love it. It's cute. So, so
0: it's just love of Ponyo. I definitely think yes. it's like, yes, and it really,
1: super... yeah. And when it and it ties like, and when we get to the end of the film, and it's like, will you love Ponyo like even if she's a fish forever? And he's like, yeah, I'll I'll always love Ponyo, and it feels so earned.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And that that that's really at the the core joy of the movie. I feel like, um, quite a few a few things to to transition into the next topic but quickly on the alex mentioned the environmentalism a little bit ago i don't yeah i don't think we need to talk too much about it but uh yeah ponyo stuck in the in the jar is uh, an iconic early like image of the movie and definitely like representative of the this aspect of pollution we see a, a scene of this um like ship like uh navigating this like very polluted ocean um and i think that's kind of the the most obvious of Mizaki's environmental themes. Also though, Fujimoto has a whole rant about how humans are destroying the world. And he's going to fix um, it. We're going to bring it back to the age of the fish, the prehistoric fish age.
1: Important moment is when Lisa Bell is about to murder Fujimoto because she thinks he has a weed killer she's like we don't use that oh, that here. that is
0: true that is true yeah
1: I, like that uh, scene really stuck me this time when i watched it i was like i love lisa like she's like you can't use this here and then she just like runs like she's gonna like run him over it's amazing
2: and i kind of think it's not just the weed killer it's just that he looks like a creepy dude while oh, he's he he creepy.
1: Around. like but, i
2: don't i don't think it's just the weed killer no
0: but she but, was like oh he's creepy but i was uh particularly annoyed about the weed killer was
1: really I irritated about the weed killer
0: yeah, I feel like that's uh, you and Tanya Delaney. Is
1: oh, the... absolutely. <laughs> accurate.
2: Like you guys, yeah, Lisa, I feel like that.
1: I just... love Lisa. Lisa's, yeah, Lisa's
2: a- great. Like, uh, Lisa's one of these characters that we, like just rolls with the punches no matter what. Like, it's like, yeah, like, oh, there's a weird fish person. All right, let's just like well, kind of roll it. I don't understand it, but let's go with yeah, it. Yeah, no,
1: I love that. That's another thing I think that's really charming about this film. And it's something I get tired of like when i watch movies or tv shows or the, then they have to explain everything to somebody the fact or like people being like oh god no she's a fish or being like you're stupid she's not a fish the whole time lisa's like i don't really understand what's going on but yeah okay let's let's go and then like everyone at the end of the movie is just like oh my god Sosuke's falling in love with a fish girl and like the old ladies are about it like they are so <laughs> hyped
2: yeah, to, it, for it, me- it feels like a very idealized mother-son relationship, which, like, you know, I think, like, as long as it's not like a... Because, like, with Miyazaki movies, it's not like moms are that common. It feels like it's more, of like, focusing on the kids. So, like, you know, they're, they're like, a, just a really nice mom. Like, I, I, I'm, I like then, that. She
1: also, like, she gets really mad at the husband, which is hilarious, by the way. Well,
2: yeah, just, so like that, a that's, like a, that's also, a good thing. That's a personality the, to her. Watching the subs...
1: Is like so funny, <laughs> like like it's just so funny. The, su-
0: the the subs for the uh, the scene when uh, Sosuke is signaling to the dad so in uh, Morse code. I love that scene, but that one so Lisa's great. like Baka spells out Baka. Yeah. yeah, Baka, <laughs> Baka. Like hey, it's so
1: good. And then like and then it's so sweet when he's like, "It's okay, mom." And he's like, "Well, I'm worried about Ponyo, but it's gonna she's gonna come back, and so is Dad." And it's just like I y'all are so cute, like yeah, absolutely precious. And then she's like, "We're gonna eat his dinner. Let's go."
0: Why does Sosuke call Lisa Lisa, not mom?
1: Okay, 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 okay. Do you know I, why?
0: I honestly don't know why.
1: Okay, I okay, Tanya asked me this question and she was like, <laughs> "Why?" Why? And I was like, "I don't know, <laughs> but I've been thinking about it like all day because okay. I don't know why okay. it's dealing like I think it's because like I'm not saying that you're smarter for calling your mom her name, but like I think it has to do with like, you know, Sosuke like they don't Maturi- really treat the maturity Sos- of him. Yeah, they don't really treat Sosuke like a kid. And like, I think it's just it. I think it's just something to kind of differentiate. So, And I think honestly, for some weird reason, they wanted to have a little mystery about like, because at first you're like, is this his sister? Is this yeah. his mom? Like, is this I, his I'm, aunt? I'm like, is she,
0: is she? Is Is she like the adopted mom or something? Yeah. You know,
2: like, yeah.
1: So I think it just. I think it's just because they. I don't know. It's weird.
2: I, I think the, I think that's just a thing that like precocious kids do sometimes. Yeah, I think it's yeah. supposed like, to be that precocious kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's funny if I call my mom by her real name. I'll just keep yeah, doing that. And she with that. and she's the kind of mom who just rolls with it, so it's just like, that's just their dynamic now. That That's fine.
1: Well, also, I think he's, not that, like, it's childish to call, like, I still call my parents mama and daddy. Like, I'm not upset about it. I'm 24, I don't care. But, like, <laughs> but like I think it's also, like, kind of, I'm just imagining, basically, I'm writing Ponyo Fanfiction, but anyway. So, like, Sosuke's so smart and, like, he hears Lisa and is it Koichi? Koichi, Koichi, like talking to each other, and they're like, he's like, yeah. So my dad's name is Koichi and my mom's name is Lisa. So I'm gonna call them their names because that's it's their name. Like, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think probably that we're on the right track here. But it's it's very it's a very striking element of. Sosuke. I do think it plays into? Um, his, well, it his,
1: sets uh, you up at first. You're like, are you not?
0: his yeah. mom because like. she does look very young too and so it's it's uh it's it's unclear i think what, what's going on lisa i mean i think she falls into uh in line with some previous Miyazaki parents i mean the thing you're tempted to compare as as we were comparing a little bit to totoro uh, is the dad in Totoro is the greatest dad ever yeah um, incredibly yeah. accepting but li- and i think
1: lisa's better
0: lisa is not exactly like the dad i think although i will say based uh what uh I forget who said this before, but I, I was really struck by Lisa's uh, just acceptance and like yes. determination in the face of the unknown. That to me was Lisa's incredible quality. To me, like, and that is true of a lot of characters in this movie. Like, it really doesn't make sense what's going on, although they seem to have some understanding of fish with faces being a thing in this world. Uh, so maybe the it's, only like, person a different who reacts
1: world. appropriately is Toki. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> she's the only
1: person. Who but, was like but Lisa's just, just like rolling
0: with the punches in an incredible way. I was struck by you might be surprised in Susan Napier's chapter. She talks about how Lisa is an immature parent. Um, and how <laughs> and how uh not like that's her necessary she's trying. she's not like trying to like present her like opinion. It's like she thinks that's what Miyazaki's going for. Like Lisa right. um is a reckless driver. Uh, I think <laughs> you yes, can see that. <laughs> okay,
2: so let, let me s- say something here. Being a reckless driver is not a sign of being an immature parent. I saw this somewhere else, which is why I'm calling this out. Like th- th- this that is just how people drive sometimes. Some like bad and-
1: drivers. I'm one of them. Like, it has nothing to do with how old I am. I just suck at driving. <laughs> like,
2: well, and I think also it's just like a thing of like, like at least with my, my personal experience, like my mom was always driving really slowly and like calmly. And so, like, when I'd get in the car of like a, fr- a friend who like drives maybe a little faster, it's like, oh, whoa, I gotta hold on to something. And but like, the, that, I think that's just like a difference in like how people drive. Like, that, that doesn't really say anything about your personality.
1: I mean, yeah. it's, I think it says something about your personality, like, in that not that she's an immature parent. Like I don't think her being bad at driving has any indication of how she is as a parent, but like I think it does indicate something about her personality, which I think it does fit in. Like, you know, when she signals Baca nine times at her husband. It's amazing. Like
0: Yeah, that that too is yeah, I, I think I think there's some imbuing of uh, like you look at the dad in toro and he's just like he's got it all together and very mature and and yeah i do think lisa is more is is strikingly different in her presentation personally i interpret lisa as a wonderful parent a wonderful person incredibly like appealing character i definitely don't get this like negative perception of her and i don't think it's supposed to be overall negative i would argue because she's portrayed really positively i mean for example Um,
1: like when she like obviously she's driving like a crazy person but like when she stops in the middle and she goes, did you just say a little girl fell in? And she immediately stops the car, mm, gets out, and she's like, good. where is she? Like, she's not, yeah. like, she just can't drive, y'all. Like, <laughs> she yeah. has fun. I-, I think it's more of, like, she enjoys driving like that.
2: Well, um I would
0: say, Lisa, you have to remember the kind of, like, Japanese uh, norm of, uh, like, demeanor and parenthood, I would say, is maybe a little different than ours. And I think Lisa's supposed to be strikingly uh, by the cuff, maybe, like, uh, kind of just... uh, she even when Ponyo is there, she's just kind of like running around doing stuff. And I do th- I do think it's like strikingly different than some parents we've seen. But to me, oh, it's, it's positive. I, I kind of understand people interpreting her a little bit more ambiguously, I guess, as a parent.
2: I think this is also another thing that kind of speaks to, like, the general optimism of this movie in that, like, she is, like, so trusting uh, of Sosuke. Like, she, like, believes, like, well, what he's saying. And, like, to a person who is pessimist or, like, a realist, it's like, no, you can't, like, to treat your children like that. They're going to eventually, like, use that against you. They're going to take advantage of you. That's an immature parent thing to do. But the optimist says, no, like, that's a, that's a warm and loving relationship. More parents should be like that. So I think it just kind of depends on like how you my parenting is like such a spectrum of like how you can like deal with this stuff also like so, it's like, not lying
1: can, it's just yeah happening. i mean that, that's the <laughs> thing like, right
2: I mean, right now it's, like, being proven right, right? So it's, like, why should we question it? But, like, it, yeah, so I, I think it just, it does depend a lot on, like, your worldview of <laughs> how parents and children, like, what that relationship should be like. So, like, uh, maybe I can get where the people who say it's immature are coming from because, like, this isn't the traditional parent, to it, like, the stern parent. But, like, I want more parents like this. I, I wish I had a parent like this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I think that was a good uh, presentation of kind of these two perspectives, Alex. And uh, yeah, I think they're kind of both intended. And I do, I I definitely like buy into the kind of optimism and warmth of the movie that presents Lisa in in the positive light. And I think that's probably the main interpretation uh, that you're supposed to take from her. But I think it's a very interesting character from and and we've been, you know, tracking all these different um like adult women in miyazaki's movies i think lisa is uh different than any of the rest of them we've talked we've talked about and seen she's kind of her the next in line and then like a completely different type of person okay am Miyazaki i gonna make a
1: list it's a capable
0: thing. of uh, yeah we, we've been making the list of, of all this but uh, <laughs> these, these kind of comp i mean i think she's maybe in line with the these complex women a lot of whom are villains
1: i think she's uh, in my top five
0: like, like you know, your your lady Aboshi's. and uh, there's a lot of uh, complexity to a lot of them. I think there's complexity to Lisa, uh, and she's uh, maybe that in that in that sort of vein. But but from a uh, positive mom perspective, which I think is really interesting. Um, that's a, I think that's an underrated aspect of Ponyo is the presentation of Lisa. Uh, she really isn't just a... like a minor character either.
1: I think it's an underrated like feature of all miyazaki not all but like most miyazaki films is like these positive representations of parenthood because there's a lot like i mean a lot of animated shows and movies where it's like the parents are either non-existent or they're horrible
0: yeah i mean you you orf- orphan uh, characters are very common trope uh in a, in a lot of things and we do see different uh flavors of parents in some of in some of these miyazaki movies i mean
2: well well, can we, can we talk a little bit about Fujibono? Because I think that's, like, the other side of parenting, right? Like, it's this person who has this, like, uh, this duty to the, to the ocean. <laughs> well, yeah, also he got, like, a, a ghost fish army or whatever. But, like, in general, like, his job is, like, taking care of the ocean and stuff. And, like, he's got his own deal, too, with, like, trying to, like... Uh, D- developed this elitcer and stuff. But, like, in gen- like once he, like, figures out, oh, stuff is, like, getting out of balance, I need to, like, fix this, like, I need to get Ponya back. Like, you can tell, like, he's, he's just, like, an awkward, disheveled kind of dad who, like, doesn't really know how to communicate. And that's why, like, P- Ponya is also, like, yeah, I was taken captive. But it doesn't seem like he's ever, like, communicated why Ponya was around in the first place. So, like, I, I, I think that this, like it i get the villain reading of it but at the same time like the vibe that i got is like this is just like a guy who's like trying to do his job and like it's like bad and he's a single parent to a million babies yeah like we we get that there's like a there's (laughs) a mom there's like a dad mom relationship but like it's kind of distance like he has to like make a call for her to show up so it's like yeah he's like doing most of this stuff on his own so like of course like he's gonna like mess stuff up so like uh, i i just I, i appreciated the fact and like down to the very end yeah, are like because of just the way he is, the way he talks, like how he walks, like of course he looks creepy when he's like yes yeah, Osuke come down with us, like it'll be fine he's like <laughs> no, like you're a weirdo <laughs> it's like no, like that's just like kind of the nature of like how he looks but like he's try- he's really trying here Like, <laughs> I
1: think every Yu-Gi-Oh! character is based off of him <laughs>
2: um, is, very, very similar yeah and but yeah like his fashion sense you know his striped suits he's got going on like just his, his deep voice the fact that they chose Liam Neeson to be his dub <laughs> is absolutely perfect
1: I didn't like, watch the, the dub that's funny that sounds amazing
2: it's like, oh I'm, 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 you, why, why? <laughs> but like that—that that is kind of that way I picture that dad being he's just like he's kind of gruff and that's why everybody's afraid of him but like in reality like it's not like he's actually doing evil stuff so, so, uh, yeah, so fu- <laughs> Fuji- Fuji- Fujimoto, I think, is very underrated. Uh, he's, he probably gets a bad rap. Uh, I want to support uh, Fujimoto no, here. I
1: don't support him. <laughs> uh,
0: so I, that scene you're talking about with Sasuke at the, Sasuke at the end, I think, you know, he's, he's in a positive light by that point. So I do think, like, you're like, oh, he just doesn't understand that he's trying to help at that point. I do think that's the intended reading. Toki's
1: um, really like, no.
0: Yeah, and i will talk, talk. Get back to Toki, but uh, the the yeah, I do think he he is representative of the uh, patriarchy that Ponyo is rebelling against for a lar- large feminist themes of the movie. I think that's an aspect of him, um, and in another other aspect, I think of. Uh, Fujimoto, that's the main thing that I feel I feel is interesting. Is I feel like he's representative of Miyazaki's disillusionment with the world. I think this is cranky Miyazaki to the extreme. Is Fujimoto. okay.
1: His solution is to like drown the world,
0: right? Like he's like, <laughs> we're done with the modern world. I'm so done with it. I just want to take it all back to how it was, even before humans were here. And um, by the end of the movie, he learns that uh, he can be more accepting of how things are now, and more accepting of Ponyo and Sosuke. And so I. The literal
1: sea goddess is like, calm down.
0: Yeah, is uh, an interesting character too. But yeah, so I, I think uh, that's for me. That's maybe the main aspect of him is he's like uh, this disenfranchised person with the world who you, you do kind of understand, but also he does act in in an antagonistic role because of that. Because because it's such an optimistic movie, and we're sp- we're seeing it through the lens of the people that are uh, the kids that are that aren't buying into that viewpoint, and he he comes around by then. end.
1: Well, so. he even like he hates himself. He has cast off humanity.
0: Yeah, I think there's probably a large aspect of that, too. Um, but uh, yeah, his design's really interesting, yeah. Um, not Definitely, to me, not as much of a fleshed-out character as, like, Lisa, so I don't have too much more to say about Fujimoto, but I do think it's interesting. Why is he, like, a sea wizard? He's like, I was formerly human. You know, Now we're getting into the types of the mythology elements that aren't super spelled out beyond that, but... Um, Okay, is Rose
1: Quartz inspired by the sea goddess? I have to know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we are in 2008 by this point, so it's it's where like a lot, not a lot of things might have time to be based on it. I don't know the timeline of Steven Universe is probably around the The beginning of when it might be con- conceived, um, but yeah, she uh, Grandmamare. Mamare, um, I'll, I'll, I'll s- save most of the comments for the animation part. But yeah, she. Uh, it's interesting that it's like, oh, here's this this giant sea goddess, and that's um, what a weird aspect of the mythology it's is. Amazing um, Ponyo is um, a product of this giant sea goddess and this former human sea cranky sea wizard. Oh, yeah,
1: how, greatest how, line how the in the movie.
2: Work there.
1: <laughs> you don't need to worry about it. Greatest line in the movie is oh yeah, my my mom is awesome and I'm scared of her. And then <laughs> like sounds like Lisa. So yeah. good. That's no, no. relatable. And,
0: and and I think one of the more feminist scenes of the movie is seeing uh, Lisa and Grandma Mare talk uh, yes. in, the, in the bubble um, and kind of try to work things out there. Um, it, qu- quickly on the feminism, talking about Grandma Mare and also like the older women, Um, here's uh, Susan Napier on the female force of this movie she says it also distinctly points to a vision of the collapse of patriarchal authority already indicated by Ponyo's rebellion against her father by this point Ponyo has outstripped her father in magic powers and flouted his authority not only Ponyo but even her tiny sisters not to mention her awe-inspiring mother demonstrate that is the power of the feminine and as the major dynamic in this film on land Lisa and the three old ladies also leave an indelible impression of female force in contrast to male impotence um, and yeah, kind of all the, a lot of different female perspectives in Ponyo, I think surprisingly. So maybe cause I didn't remember that part of the movie as much. Like I don't remember Ponyo for its feminism as much as I do some other Miyazaki movies, but really there's just like a strikingly, uh, large amount of, of, of these female perspectives who are I mean, it's literally Sosuke the and the
2: sea witch. That's it. Um, and, 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 and Sosuke's dad, who's just, like, off in the He's really not even somewhere. He's being useless. It's yeah, fine. I was, was
0: going to mention the dub voices, by the way, since you bring it up. I don't know why Sosuke's dad is voiced by Matt Damon in, like, the most minor role ever. Like, why is that? <laughs> what? Uh, That's
2: li- amazing.
0: Li- Lisa's Tina Fey. Okay.
2: Um, uh, the, the, this cast is, like... What? This cast, this cast Lisa, is stacked. Wait, wait, <laughs> dude,
1: wait, wait. You mean I should have watched this movie and Lisa was Tina Fey? Yeah. Faye, yeah.
2: The three That's old awesome. ladies, Lily
0: Tomlin, Betty White, and Cloris Leachman. Okay. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs>
0: Uh, Liam Neeson, Kate C- C- Blanchett is the sea goddess, and then at the, the whatever remembers remember. this movie for though is that Ponyo is Noah, Noah Cyrus and Sosuke is Frankie Jonas, um, the, the, and, the two rejects. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the 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 kids of the siblings. I don't even know, and and they record <laughs> a cover of the song at the ends. Which is, I think, um, at least for our group, is like a a reviled kind of uh, cover. Uh, That now I'm, if you listen to the earlier series, I'm always like checking to make sure they didn't cover the earlier songs for me. That's because of this one, because I remember them doing this cover of the Ponyo song, which is a very popular song, by the way, and in Japan and maybe. It's very very catchy. catchy. Panya, Panya. Yeah. yeah. My Da-da-da-da-da.
1: wife was like, I, like my wife was like. I mean, the movie was okay, but it's not my favorite. And then we were literally in the kitchen, and she's been singing it all day.
0: It's like I think it's like the Totoro song too.
1: Yes. Um, oh, okay. Ooh, I don't know which one's catchier. It might be the Totoro. <laughs> I like song. the Totoro song, but this is yeah, yeah. This
0: totally is I,
2: I vote Panya. <laughs>
0: Gake no ue no ponyo, yeah. So that's, I, I mean, I didn't take an in-depth dive into Joey Saishi's ponyo score. The only other thing I have to say about it is uh, there's definitely a lot of orchestral elements to uh, yeah. it, yeah. which is very yeah. striking. So I'll come back to that in a second when I've been trying to transition to this animation mm-hmm. discussion, but there's a lot of topics to quickly cover. Um, we we want okay? That's great. We, we want to finish off the, the, we'll come back to the, uh, we've talked about the devil. let's come back to the old ladies. Okay, let's, let me, let me do the transition to the image because i also i was going to say earlier we've talked about a lot of um, disparate elements of ponyo so i want to incorporate susan napier's framing for this movie and uh, give my take on that as well. So she she, uh, talks about Ponyo as kind of this late style work for Miyazaki as we're later in his career. She says, In Ponyo, Miyazaki seems to be working through his life and times in a white hot fever and passion and a passion and intensity reminiscent of what critics such as Edward Said have called a late style, a term describing the works of an artist's final creative years. As Linda and Michael Hutchian explain, the term can be an ambiguous, even contradictory one, embracing both the extremes of rage, pessimism, and despair, and serenity, contemplation, and resignation. Ponyo encompasses both aspects. Ponyo's gorgeous hand-drawn animation suggests a serene return to childhood world, but the movie's apocalyptic themes express a deep and ab- abiding rage against what humanity has done to the earth. As with Shakespeare's The Tempest, another late work, the movie takes us through stormy waters, but ends with an expression of tranquil acceptance in its final moments as love, forgiveness and redemption are celebrated in its climax. Um, I like this as a framing of all these kind of contradictory elements of Ponyo. I think The Tempest is another uh, inspiration slash good thing to compare the Ponyo to. This other aspect of Ponyo is a late style work, which I think is totally true. I think if you want to look at the late works of Miyazaki, you look at Howl's, this movie, and then uh, Wind Rises. Um, and, uh, I, I see Ponyo. As Miyazaki's uh, version of what Takahata has been doing uh, before this, and, and you know, at this point in where we are in the Ghibli history, Takahata hasn't made a movie in a while. But this, to me, is similar to your Poco and My Neighbor the Yamadas. This is Miyazaki trying to go crazy with animation, to go all out with the animation. Similar, I think, to what Takahata hones in late on in his career. These these kind of like epic, uh, legendary animators, uh, like once you've told these certain types of stories. What I feel like what is what stands out to them is like okay I need to try different things with the medium itself with the visuals itself and I largely see Ponyo as starting that's kind of the starting point for Miyazaki for me is is Miyazaki's trying to go go uh, in a different direction with the animation and this is detailed in large part in this documentary series I, I talked about ten years with Hayao Miyazaki I'm gonna definitely talk a lot about what he brings up in there but um he ponio as we mentioned no cgi used uh that's in contrast to the his um three previous movies starting with mononoke into spirited away and howls which do incorporate cgi in a cg in a lot lar- in a increasing and more uh more well integrated form i mean we talked about in howls the cg in howls is incredibly well integrated that movie is gorgeous and yet Miyazaki doesn't make another movie that looks like Alice. He makes a movie that goes back to the basics. He's specifically going for a very simplistic style with uh, Ponyo. Um, and uh, we, uh, the, the so it starts one one from thing from the documentary is um, Miyazaki goes to the Tate Britain Museum in in the United Kingdom. He's in, he's struck by the. Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood artists, uh, in particular, the painting *Ophelia* by John Everett Millais, um, and uh, he—that's a big inspiration visually for him here um he uh definitely wants to go simple a hand-drawn style um also animation director katsuya kondo is a big influence on um, this look of ponyo um, a lot more information here as we start to get into these later miyazaki works which are detailed uh, documented uh, in a lot a lot de- more detailed fashion it's a great part of this documentary when miyazaki Paints this the the in my opinion the iconic image of Ponyo, which is uh Ponyo is here. Um, it's uh Ponyo riding on top of the flock of fish in the scene Delaney talked about much earlier, which I believe is like the iconic scene of Ponyo.
2: I mean, it's insane that that's hand drawn. Like the the way that the waves are moving and like her legs are like going at full speed, <laughs> but like it's not like a blur either. Like you could like keep them all like in 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 line there, and like later like the waves like crashing onto the road as the car co- like you can. Feel the car moving like it's not like just like the background is moving but, like the car is like moving back and forth while the waves are hitting like there's just like so much business going on it's like yeah like you and it's you, a like,
1: long scene
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah so it starts off with Ponyo going into her dad's potion vault and rides out on the goldfish and then they become blue. Um, and goldfish—is that why they're gold? Goldfish? I wonder. I just thought of that. Uh, but no, I <laughs> Good assume job, not. Dylan. I assume not. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the gold and the blue, I think, are the big striking colors in these scenes. So that, and then she's like riding on top of them, and that's the point when Miyazaki draws Ponyo. Is here is one of the early. Uh, concept images we've talked about how Miyazaki doesn't really do traditional scripts he does image boards and so Ponyo is here he'd done a lot before that but this is when he finds the style of the movie and you see him using pastels which he'd never used before um, on this image and stronger outlines he talks about to make it seem more simple and more elemental um, is how it's described in the documentary um, but yeah that scene is what that translates into is her, her on top of the blue fish as the um, kind of flood begins and then uh, the part two is we I think we cut away and then we come back and yeah the her riding on the fish as the car is driving the motion in that scene is unlike anything I've ever seen um just the the dynamic motion as as I think Alex the, the Alex has described in the the car and the waves and um
1: well no, hers, I, and she's jumping back and forth the,
0: yes the the movement of her um th- that those two scenes of uh, like the and, whole and
1: scene it, moves
0: it's it's i it's i'm incredible that's maybe the most gorgeous scene that miyazaki's i've ever done and i do agree like as as much as you peop, some people might want to say bono doesn't live up uh, live up to some other movies these this is an iconic miyazaki scene like uh, uh the the whole parts from going onto the fish up into the riding uh on the fish when the car is going um it's uh Mizaki calls it the climax of the movie, which I think we we had an interesting climax that Mizaki called in um, in Spirited Away, but this one's even earlier in the movie too, and not like <laughs> at all. But uh, it's like I mean I do think this is like the best part of the movie here, and uh, it's 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 really uh, incredible. The other parts of the animation, I did the backgrounds in this movie. Oh my gosh, I, I was uh, so in love with them. I was also, I talked about Earthsea how I was in love with the backgrounds. These uses different style of backgrounds. The hand drawn, colorful backgrounds were. Uh, incredible to me I want to definitely call out Miyazaki's longtime color designer Michio Yasuda who uh she's a big um not necessarily a big part of the do- the documentary but she's prominently featured in the documentary as well as kind of Miyazaki's uh the person she goes with Miyazaki to these like preview screenings which you see in there and we've we've kind of vaguely mentioned a lot of like women collaborators with Miyazaki that uh are kind of core animators on all of these movies um at, at least we uh, have michio Yasuda here to to call out specifically but um so yeah the the color i mean the, i specifically hear you want to reference that the color in this movie is is the greatest i've ever seen in any movie the color in ponyo
1: like the reds uh, and the blues like it's ridiculous like
0: it's it's a specifically colorful movie so it's the type of movie where the color right. pops more but mm-hmm. it's I mean I just the the backgrounds the color the those scenes specifically there's other scenes too the the intro is mm-hmm. it, Oh I love the gorgeous. intro
1: I love like it might be my, I think it might be my, one of my favorite if not my favorite Ghibli like opening
0: Yeah it's it's to me it isn't it's it's like Ponyo itself represents Ponyo itself. Story wise, I don't like it as much as some other things, but visually, oh my goodness, this is the best one. Oh
1: but yeah,
0: visually. So uh, I'm 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 really floored by the intro visually. The, we, we talked about those riding on the fish. Ponyo is here. Scenes. Um, there's a quick scene of uh, Sosuke reuniting with Ponyo, and then this like golden rain rains down. Um, I was so, I thought that it was incredible looking. Um, oh, and also and that,
1: in uh, Grandma Mare and. Um, Lisa are talking. Yeah. That's just, uh, to me, that's just another, like, really it's really good, too. The whole bubble,
2: scene. I think, is really good. Yeah, wonderful.
1: the whole bubble is ridiculous.
2: Well, that, that gold raining down effect also happens when Gr- Grandma Mari is leaving, right? hmm
1: like, Yes.
2: And, like, Lisa's looking up, like, bye. <laughs> and then when
0: we meet Grandma Mare, um, when we see Sosuke's dad with the graveyard of ships, that scene, and yes. then her appearing for the first time, uh, the color right. on the water.
1: Well, yeah, that's the other thing. I think that's another, like, astonishing thing it's not just the animation of the water, but like the colors in the water, like it's just to have an entire film underwater is brave. Like,
0: Yeah, that, that is true. I've seen that talked about.
1: And to have it, it's so gorgeous the whole time.
0: A striking amount of underwater and water filled elements in this movie.
1: And then they just show off that they can make dinosaur fish. They're like, look, we just drew like 95 dinosaur fish
0: and then they're like oh why do they know the names of all the prehistoric fish i don't know the
1: names of because prehistoric they're kids fish. Mm. also because one of them's literally a fish
2: <laughs> well, yeah yeah yeah. like p- p- ponyo would know i'm not sure i can it is i guess i mean i guess like kids Didn't are gonna
0: be more likely phase? to know di- yeah i had know- a dinosaur phase. well you learn like... about that type of thing in school and then you forget it i guess i don't know uh, dinosaur names of the species i don't know about prehistoric fish if i ever learned
2: about, well that. they live by, by the ocean,
0: ocean. they live yeah they live by the ocean yeah
1: they live by yeah. the ocean it's
0: fine yeah quickly by the way the the setting of ponyo is based on uh tomonora tomonora uh, which is a real city in western japan miyazaki just stayed there for a little while in preparation for this Let we go which just, like, so a on the gorgeous. cliff. yeah and yeah. he's like he stays there and it's uh this this gorgeous seaside city and then he just like distro- floods it and destroys yeah, and he's it, like, Let's movie. Flood it yeah okay, it's exactly.
1: okay. Let,
2: let nature reclaim what's <laughs> was Honestly, also like yeah. the
1: fact that like all the ships are like the oceans pot up against a mountain like what kind of nonsense
0: yeah i mean it's it's uh I, it's I don't know if the mountain is uh as as much in real life i'm not sure but yeah it looks very similar from what i've seen the the the, the seasideness and, and
1: then okay guys we're gonna have to go just to confirm Paul. no it's wow.
0: it's one of the places to want to go yeah i think for sure um that, yeah i mean we, we've talked about the animation in uh in other aspects too but uh um, oh and i wanted to say the uh, ponyo is here miyazaki uh He's li- he's inspired by him listening to Ride of the Valkyries.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, um, no, I I, okay, I remember reading, and then you that translates. It.
0: You yeah. So then the, uh, Joey Saishi records his own kind of inspired version yeah. of Ride no, of I the
1: Valkyries. So in the again, I had read half of your outline, and <laughs> it really stuck out to me that time, like because like I was like, oh, there it is.
2: Yeah. Well, that's just like a one piece. Like this score is like going way more epic than I feel like most of these movies go. Like it's like for for how like like uh, you know colorful and soft this movie is, it feels like there's like a whole orchestral epic going on with like with the music. So like it does feel a little bit more extra than this movie needs, but that's fine. Like.
1: Well, there's a lot of movement and like a lot with the water like you can like the music gets really big when the water gets big and it's really interesting i think like there are quiet moments in the film but the music definitely like takes over a lot because like i told my wife like i was like there's not a lot of talking in the beginning because there isn't <laughs> like yeah so it's really interesting like good because there's a lot like there is, I mean, there is dialogue in this film, but it's, I think it's one of, it's definitely one of those movies that has a lot less.
0: Yeah, I, I was uh, watching in the beginning. I was like, oh, is this, I don't even remember. Is there like very little dialogue in Punya? And there's not, there's like definitely a lot, but like mm-hmm. not. She
2: just needs a little bit of time to learn how to she talk. talk. <laughs> when, <laughs> she's, when she can talk, yeah, I guess.
0: Um, let's talk about the, the, the old ladies in the senior center, uh, Toki and Yoshi. and. Um, so great. Toki specifically is a very interesting character. I mean, if you watch yes. the documentary, this is we've been tracking who are the characters based on Miyazaki's mom, who's a very prominent figure in his life who dies uh, around the beginning of these Ghibli movies. And Toki I think is the, the big inspiration, Miyazaki says, uh, for is death largely based on his mom later in life in, in this movie. And he gets, oh, like Miyazaki the, the, gets the
2: grumpiest one is Miyazaki's mom. Yes,
0: the tell? grumpiest one. Yeah. Um you're shocked that Miyazaki his grumpy self. Is uh, a yeah, very <laughs> shocking. I that. would have
2: never. Guessed. No, but no.
0: Miyazaki is a uh, extreme, very emotional in the documentary talking about here. Toki and um, one of the last scenes he storyboards. He takes like way too long on the board because he like can't finish it. Is the scene of um, Sosuke jumping to Toki at the end. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, what and... gets me is at the end when Toki's like crying, hugging Sosuke. I'm like, brb, you gotta go cry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think for me, Toki works when I know that that's Miyazaki's mom, like that works in a meta sense. Otherwise, though, I think it's an it's a weirdly integrated character into them.
1: Oh, no, I love Toki having the grumpy old lady is
2: amazing. Yeah, I mean, I guess you need like one person in this movie to be questioning stuff. Yeah, like, like,
1: weird. Like, I'm like, we need one person to be like, I don't buy this nonsense
0: yeah um so it's it's i think her and then you see her and like being able to walk at the end and and uh, all of the the
1: old women toki's essential to the old lady group because you have to have like the balance of like like, i mean i'm like legitimately because then they just kind of become the chorus Mm -hmm. so i think with toki it adds enough like enough personality to because they are i mean they're obviously individual characters but they're a group and so you have to have Toki in there for, like, to balance everything.
2: Yeah, I will say, I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between the two happy old ladies. Like, <laughs> there's no difference.
0: Yeah, I don't know the third one as well. I know Yoshi's the main one she talks to, but uh, or he talks to, yeah. But, um, so I think uh, the interesting stuff with Toki being uh, Miyazaki's mom and that being an aspect of the movie. It's um, random quick other thing. The end of the movie, the uh, when Kiss the bubble and Ponyo becomes a girl again. I think that's a really striking visual too. Um,
2: that that, that too. shot of, of Ponyo being like floating above Sosuke when she turns into a girl—I'd seen that shot before, and I, I, I've always thought that that was something like he was falling from the sky. But like, yeah. no, it's just like she just like turns into, into a girl in mid-air for some reason. Well, like he's, she, a- he
1: hasn't kissed her yet. He's she's like yeah, hello. He has to kiss oh, her a girl. Come on. Is, is, it,
0: is it weird that this is, like, a grand romance at, with five-year-olds? You know, like,
1: I would say, like, for me, like, obviously there's intent in reading, but, like, when I like watch the movie, I don't read it as, like, this deep romance. Like, to me, it's, like, kids just love. There's not really a difference between, like, when you're five years old, like, you love your mom and you love your cat. They're about the same. Like... And you like, love
2: your best friend. Like, yeah, like, you, like,
1: and so there's definitely, like, he loves Ponyo, and Ponyo loves him, and that's it. Like that's there's there's yeah. No- that's
0: how I interpret it too. It's not necessarily romantic love, just love, because the movie says love a lot, and it's a trial of love at the end, right? But- and like
1: and they talk about it, and like they talk up like and they do say romance, but like that's more for like the, the future, like and because the thing is, it doesn't matter the definition when they're like, I want like, well, you love. Ponyo no matter what like regardless of like the fact that she's a fish and he just says yes like it doesn't matter like you just love her like there's not like there's nothing yeah, there else. Are,
0: there are references to romance which is interesting you know I think it it's definitely interesting that the kind of probably Miyazaki's three most romance infused movies are his his last three movies here um, so uh, for some reason he's embracing that more uh, w- w- at the end but uh, in here I mean it, it comes across very um, sweet and innocently just like uh, that form of love, and quote unquote romance. Yeah, uh, I think it's really wonderful. I want to close out here with a notion from uh, interesting notion from Susan Napier, who uh, is is commenting on how Ponyo does lose her magic at the end of this movie as is part of the deal to uh, to save the world, I guess, and become human. Um, she says, uh, despite its real-world references, the movie ultimately seems more of a fantasy than any previous Miyazaki film. Even as it abruptly showcases an end to fantasy in Ponyo's agreeing to give up her magic and settle into an entirely human existence, this ending strongly contrasts with Kiki or Howl, in which magical characters remain in full possession of their powers at the movie's end. Perhaps it is Miyazaki who is giving up on magic, implying that humans can <laughs> deal with the world in all its painful reality. With no, more, with no more use for enchantment. This approach accords with a new direction in Miyazaki World, the fact that his next film would be a historical work, The Wind Rises, in which there's little fantasy. The realistic Wind Rises contrasts powerfully with Ponyo, a movie that, until its climax, is infused in otherworldliness from the supernatural powers of Fujimoto, Grand Mamare, and Ponyo to the fearsome natural forces of wind and waves. I guess Alex laughed because I read, that, read it in that way, but um, I feel like that's well, how it's intended to be read. Well, also, um,
2: like it's a thing where like this movie is full of magic and how like cool it is and how important it is for the world to like be in that yeah, balance. Which I think like she talks it doesn't. Like if you, I mean, I mean, I get the reading, but like at the same time, like this feels this feels very much in line with a lot of uh ghibli movies like uh, pompoko comes to mind or like earth sea comes to mind where it's like there's such a, a focus on like humans can't be messing with magic if you like cross the beams bad stuff is going to happen stay in your lane let nature do its thing let humans do its thing but without like messing each other up and like this just feels like another installment of that right it's like yeah, like you can be a human if you want, but don't don't be messing with the met ma- with the magic and the nature stuff if you're gonna do that. Like, just commit to one side, and then th- you'll be fine. And like um, that's so kind of so what pa- what Panya is forced to do there. And she and she likes being a human because she has connections, she has relationships. In that she doesn't have relationships. I mean, she has her sisters, but like it seems that the relationship she has in the human world is much stronger. So like take that. So like uh, yeah. So I I, I personally believe like the thing is earlier we were talking about this being potentially like a representation of like being sick of humanity and all but like that's why like makes it so noble that Ponyo picks humanity at the end it's like yeah humanity is good after all like just as long as you like keep each other separate and like be respectful of each other like everything's gonna be fine so like in that sense like i feel like it's almost like yeah like magic is cool like it's just like you gotta treat it with respect and that's that's uh, i feel like a theme that Popped up a lot more in like the the '90s movies, but like it's it's good to see it here again.
1: Well, I think, I think
0: those, you can. Sorry, I was going to say those other reference movies Alex referenced, not necessarily Miyazaki perspective films, and I do think this does contrast with some of his earlier ones. I do think this movie's like full of magic, but um, to me, this notion that Miyazaki's saying like you got to deal with stuff without uh, kind of fantasy, like this this transition away from fantasy is kind of interesting for for Miyazaki. I do I feel like it's in accord with his his worldview at this point. Um, and so that's why it's kind of interesting that Ponyo is so, is so full of fantasy, but the ending, the reading of the ending is important in its own right. Miyazaki has had some ambiguous or interesting endings, which we've talked about. And I do think this is another one in line with that, that is, is pretty uh, different than ones we've seen before with the, the giving up of magic.
1: It's definitely a reversal, like based on like my, like my experiences with Kiki and, um, I don't and know Kiki's what Kiki's
0: interesting. Cause Kiki has uh she, she can't talk to the cat anymore, but right. she does still have the rest of her power. So there's some sort of loss of innocence going on there, but it doesn't right. seem like that's what this is. Yeah.
1: Well, it, I, I also think that has more to do with the cat, but like, there's also, there's a lot, there, there's a lot there, <laughs> but um, there's like, I do think it is. And I don't, I don't know. It's Alex said some interesting things that have me thinking like, there is, obviously, this movie is a celebration of magic. There's a lot of magic, but it's also dangerous. It's also very powerful and not to be messed with. Mm-hmm. But there is this, what you were talking about, magic is very lonely in, in this in this movie. Like, if you want to be, like, he's, a like, Fujimoto is alone. Like, he has his, like, small army of baby fish. But, like, he's alone. And then he has to, like, call, and sometimes the goddess of the sea will appear. And he clearly doesn't get out much. <sighs> Meanwhile, when Ponyo is like, you know, kind of thrust into this world of, you know, Sosuke and his mom, and they're very warm. They're very happy. And she starts, you know, she gets to enjoy all of these things. Like she really likes the soup. She really likes, you know, ham. Like, you know, all these like being human is very bright and like happy and there's there's all these experiences to be had. And so it is it's very different than previous films with like where magic is like the good stuff and not necessarily that magic is bad in this film but magic is the reason for all this destruction it's not humans this time it's magic so i do think it's an interesting reversal and kind of this you know at the end ponyo does choose humanity so i do think it's interesting like granted we also have Arietti, so like i don't like you know, this is weird stuff going on you know
0: we'll see we'll see with that one but yeah i think a lot of these movies reference you know it's mizaki isn't involved with everyone so I think right. it's important to keep in mind just his the, his perspective ones here um yeah alex any any uh, closing thoughts on that or anything else from Ponyo you wanted to bring up
2: um no, nothing from this i think delaney uh had had enough there um, with with regards to animation i think another thing that Ponyo is well known for is its food like the like oh, the, the, so the, the, the the way that they draw that that ramen with the egg and the ham on top like i've seen that picture so many times like
0: well, apparently of of you're them. seeing
2: a lot more like ponyo memes and references than i am everywhere a but, lot of memes are i mean I, I think this is just a very memed movie and but, like i think it has to do with like its colorfulness like it's that uh, like so so energetic like so like it blends Itself to that kind of stuff, but yeah, like just the way they animate food is uh, is very wonderful. I mean, that whole scene, of, like them, like like teaching Ponyo how ramen works, is like okay, you gotta like keep it, the the bowl on top, wait for three minutes for it to work, and then when you pull off and the mat, like it's kind of a magic in its own way. Like food prepares itself before your eyes. So it's just like the yeah, f- food is is it should be revered um, to a lesser extent. He has like a ham sandwich earlier in the movie. And you know, is like so scarf. That's the compact. iconic part yeah. of the ham, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. All of the food is very purposeful. Like, you know, they're spirited away where there's literally so much food, you don't even Yeah, that, that's it. the other
2: big food movie, like, yeah.
1: Like, you don't even that's notice it after a little movie. bit. That is the food movie because there's so much food. But then after a little bit, it just kind of like blurs. But here, it's like we have the sandwiches, then we have the ramen. Like, they take their very special moments where the food appears. Yeah, yeah
0: um okay so the, 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 maybe we downplayed the food i don't know well,
1: oh the most we... important part of the movie is that Sosuke is adorable in his little sailor hat that he wears
0: <laughs> yes that's
2: good and it shrinks with the boat i know
1: it was tragic i mean the <laughs> part of the
2: movie. His, his, the, matt, his matt damon hat. will go get him another hat it's fine oh my god oh, no god. every don't time wears, damon.
1: every time he wears a sailor hat i'm like yes
0: I think matt damon might play the dad though in a live action version or something oh no oh, like okay. a whitewashed live action
1: don't
0: version. don't say that <laughs> that would be that would be the choice i guess that's such a weird such a weird one anyway um yeah, yeah i guess at this point with the Miyazaki movies you're going like all out with the cast right because it's like so famous at this point um that's what we've seen here uh delaney anything else from pun you want to talk about
1: no just the sailor hat that's it okay that was- <laughs>
2: Yes. Well, I think, oh, I think oh, we. I, I have one Liam Neeson impression more to do. Uh-oh. Revert. Revert. Okay. There. There we go. There. That was <laughs> a good one. <laughs> that you. was the. That was the only scene I watched just to be like, "Hey, Liam Neeson's in this. Like, should, I should listen to okay, him." I was gonna just ask was... if you watched the whole dub. No. 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 I just movie watched movie that one scene yeah. where he's talking to Ponyo in the bubble, and Ponyo's is like, "I love him," and it's like, "Oh God."
0: <laughs> yeah. Is the, is Ponyo too? Uh, Fujimoto gets revenge on. Uh... <laughs>
2: I mean, what Ponyo, is he feeding her gets kidnapped and Fujimoto has to bit? go
0: get revenge or something.
2: Well, I, I stumbled um, across that
0: there I was going to be ham pre- too. There was going to be Ponyo 2. it exactly like, let's do Ponyo. And then it's like, no, don't do Ponyo 2. Like, <laughs> like, I, I want to hear his pitch. Like,
2: what, what, would
1: would Ponyo, this? Yeah, what, what would Ponyo 2 be about?
0: I don't remember. For some reason, there's a point when he, wa- he wanted to do Porco Rosso 2 and Ponyo 2. For some, there's some reason, he wanted to do Out sequels.
1: of those then, yeah. of those movies, those I mean, would be the
0: last two I would probably choose. Right. So it's a weird choice. He
2: really likes Rosso. He really likes Ponyo. Do you think Hayao Miyazaki in real life really loves ham? Like, is that a thing? Like, he's really well, okay. Into pigs. Well, I mean,
0: okay, I guess ham is next to that. We've talked about pigs throughout all of his movies. Yeah, it is weird to see ham emphasize when alive pigs are so much a uh, presence in all of his movies. Um, but uh, yeah, no pet pig or anything here. Um, but I guess.
2: Well, why why, why couldn't Pony be into pork? You know, like uh, you know, to make like cook it up a little bit. Ham is like ham is fine and all. But, like, there's there's the so much more you can do is with pigmen.
1: warm in the ramen.
2: Well, the Actually, co- the combination so hot, it works. burns her yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh also sleepy ponya really cute yes. like she's just Lots like try- like struggling to stay up on that boat it's like uh oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> it's like the faces that they give her as you, like try to stay awake it's just precious so, there, there's like so many little details with this movie that, yeah, that you could yeah. i think we've hit on about. a lot of them but we could
0: even more that we could talk about But i'm glad we hit on all the themes that we did i was like what are we going to talk about with ponyo but we had a solid 90 minutes of ponyo uh the in-depth discussion here so i'm glad about that um let us know what you thought of all of the topics we discussed about ponyo find all the ways to get in touch at overlyanimated.com. uh consider supporting us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to our current patrons, especially our Patreon podcast, Phonition. And thanks as well as to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve Ox, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonition. Um, so this was our second to last Miyazaki movie as we are starting to close things out here in the Ghibli Rock series. As mentioned, next up is Arietti which is another... Um, another one with the one-word name main character title that also is a larger title, a longer title. That is is, uh, I'm not Secret World of Variety. I don't know if that's the official title. That's the comparison to make. Um, mm-hmm. not, not, not much of a comparison, but that'll, that'll be a fun one to talk about. And then, yeah, Wind Rise is coming up in a few weeks um, as the last, as of this point, Miyazaki movie. But he is in production on <laughs> one more movie, which will come out in several years. So uh, that's it for Ponyo. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.